Hello, this is Rania from Philadelphia, and I would never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 361 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as enthusiastic as ever, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the lady you've grown to know, love, and admire, Brittany Page. I I I forgot that I did something really fierce today that I'm really proud wait, of wait, that we can wait. talk about. Hang on, before we get to your fierceness, <laughs> your fucking fierceness. <laughs> I want to introduce the the humble man who never listens to shows for his name, the <laughs> Ivy League educated attorney, my friend and yours, Drew Levine. Back again. <laughs> Tell a friend. Back again, tell a friend. All right. That's on... a phrase that you stole from something, right? Probably. Like a rap song, it sounds like. I think it's Eminem. And not just because it rhymes. I mean, it It, it, it does works. sound like Eminem. Yeah. I think that's an, an, an Eminem song, yeah. An Eminem and Eminem? Yeah. <laughs> so no, thanks for joining not, us. Yeah, that's Drew. not a Drew Levine original. Sorry. I, I, think, I think everyone knows why you're here. Well, it's because we didn't have wine and we needed someone to bring alcohol over. That's true. But it's also been a relatively eventful news cycle, so... And legal. With a lot of legal implications. And you are the official legal eagle of I Doubt It With Dollamore, our, our, our chief legal correspondent. I'm very flattered. Nice. Now, on, uh, let's, let's, let's address Brittany's fierceness, her ferocity. Yeah. What did what, uh, you do that was fierce, Okay, Brittany well, Page? we all know that I'm afraid of spiders. Oh, this right. is well known. I've already heard this, so I'm going to check out while I you have, tell the story. I have thrown my laptop twice trying to escape from a spider that was in close proximity. And Brittany does not mean that she like... Weren't you oh. checked out? I checked back in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany doesn't mean she just brushed her laptop aside. Mm -hmm. She means full-on launch of the laptop like a Roman catapult. Yes. I think you probably have to do a cost-benefit analysis on that action. Yeah. Uh, I was facing death. Yeah, it's fight so, or flight at this point. She yeah. There's no cost-benefit analysis. What's the return on investment of this action? It's she thinks she's going to die because there's a, a almost unseeable spider. Anyway, explain your ferocity, Brittany Page, okay. related to an arachnid. So at work, okay, I'm sitting there with a kid and he starts looking up at the ceiling and he's like, there's a spider up there. And I think he's just trying to like get away with not doing his work. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't see it. It's probably fine. And he keeps pointing at it. He's like, no, there's a spider. And eventually he gets out of his seat and like points at it because I can't see it. And it was coming down from the ceiling oh. going to land on his head. <laughs> it's a, it's a mid web one. Yeah. And I, <laughs> He was afraid of it, which I was surprised. Did you mock him for being afraid? Well, no, I was hoping that he would take initiative <laughs> and kill the spider. 
But <laughs> you're relying on the child to protect you. Well, when I saw that he was afraid, I realized, okay, I have to take care of this. So I grabbed a sticky note and I wiped it off of the web. Wait a minute. When you told me the story, you killed it with your bare hands. Yeah, so this is, and then I set it down on the table and then I smashed it. With my hands. Is that because there wasn't a laptop nearby handy to chuck at it? Well, there no, there was no, a no. laptop. The, although... the, the, the throwing of the laptop is not to hurl at the spider. No, it's to get away. It's to get any obstruction from her escape out of the way. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought it was a weapon. It no. was an obstacle to escape, and she needed to get rid of it. Yeah, I need to get away quick. <laughs> but anyway, so this proves that my fear, it is something that I can overcome when necessary when I had to help someone. So that's the moral of the story. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Just got to channel those protective instincts. Yeah. I felt fierce in that moment. So I thought we would talk about it. So fierce. But while we were talking about uh, Drew being such a an amazing law correspondent for us. Um, so amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that might what get was that? Did everybody hear that? Four minutes and 57 <laughs> seconds. That is a drop, everybody. Um. We, me and you were having a little exchange on Facebook about the Supreme Court gay cake case. And (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Henceforth, the case before ye old Supreme Court, ooye, ooye, will be known as the gay cake case. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, And it's descriptive. And uh, I read the transcript today and. Justice Sotomayor stole my argument from Facebook, from our Facebook discussion. Yeah. She jacked it from me. Somehow. You're a pioneer, Brittany Page. I know. So I would like like some credit because I'm also an okay law law correspondent. Yes. Yes. You're not the chief. You're just the uh, deputy. Yeah. I'm in training. Legal correspondent. I'm in training. (laughs) Right, Drew? Yeah. Wow. Yep. There it is. (laughs) So no more praise for you. So so Brittany and I saw a movie last night. This is going to be the longest and most protracted intro segment of any episode. And Brittany's excited right now because it's Oscar season for movies, for one. Yeah. And for some reason, I care. Well, you you you're into that shit. Yeah. It's not like we we make a point to watch all of the the award shows, but but because the per- per- particular style of movie that we're drawn to happens to be the the movies that are typically nominated. Like we don't go watch horror movies. W- what are you smirking about? <laughs> it just sounds like such a douchey thing to say. <laughs> I you don't think know. the movies that we're drawn to are the ones that get nominated for awards. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch superhero movies. <laughs> Whose name is on this fucking podcast, you <laughs> bastards? What a bunch of no, dicks. No, I'm, I get what you're saying, though, because um, I well, don't... We, I, was, I was in the middle of explaining it, you smug cocks. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't we don't watch horror movies. That's not our gig. And we're not drawn to action movies. Drawn to. All right. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't watch action movies a lot. Yeah. Sci-fi is not... You know, like we watch Guardians of the Galaxy and maybe Star Wars or something, but it's not our thing. Yeah, but typically we oh, like... Oh, God damn. <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> 
typically we like the profound. I'm really I'm into like singer songwriter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't get 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't even give it a second glance. Yeah, well, this is what happened last night. We went and saw yeah. uh, the Florida Project with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and 95 uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, hey, I'm, Drew. Yeah, and I gave it Psychic. three stars. Not a fan. Mm. Well, kind of a fan. So you're a super snob. No, not super snob. I just like a story that goes somewhere. It was a little anyway, lacking so, in that department, but it, it was still good. It was still good. But and the, we were there's only three of us in the theater, and the other guy was quiet, so it was a good time. Usually I get pissed off so, because there's a lot of action in the theater, and people are like, who's that? Was that the guy from that other movie? It's, we go to a geriatric theater. UTC <laughs> over at University of uh, California, Irvine. It's a goddamn nightmare over there. So, at, Drew? The, right next door to the university? Yes, sir. Huh. That's surprising to me. It is, it is not good. Drew hates movies. I don't hate movies. He just doesn't care about them. No, you're completely misconstruing my argument. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I said... Welcome to Drew's world, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Objection, your honor. Miss Dave's testimony. Sustained. Thank you. I um, bet I know someone who agrees did with Did you me. object to and sustain your own your own objection? I, you know, you don't have a judge in here, so I have to play multiple I'm roles. the judge, motherfucker. You didn't wait for my ruling. I find you in contempt. Oh, dear. This is enough of this legal bullshit joke. That's not... I'm not pleased with this, how this has gone. <laughs> Drew, finish your thing and we're moving on. No, I. <laughs> what I told you, Brittany Page, is that I don't care about award ceremonies. Oh. I like movies. I'll watch movies. I'll enjoy movies. I don't really care who gets the shiny gold statue at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I can miss the award show. That's fine. I'll be a little upset. I'll probably like watch some of the highlights on YouTube or something. You don't structure your schedule to no, catch them. No, no. But I, I do like to watch the Oscars yeah. for some reason. Uh, I don't really understand it. but I didn't watch any, any award ceremonies today. But you know what I did watch a lot of? A rally in Alabama. Here <laughs> <laughs> Judge Roy Moore, everybody. And oddly enough, you know, it's a bummer because I enjoy bluegrass music. And so when I play banjo music and I'm doing it as a kind of a, well, not even subtle, but a, a way to shit on the South and be funny about shitting on the South. Yeah, but it's a bummer because I really do kind of like that music. But. It just, they're not doing themselves any favor over at the Roy Moore camp today. And by the way, when I say Roy Moore, it's hard because it's like saying toy boat over and over. Roy Moore, Roy Moore, Roy Moore. They had this music group. And I'll give you an indication of who these guys, who these gentlemen were. How many Roy Moore supporters do we have here tonight? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love God. I support Christianity, and I support support Judge Roy Moore oh. this evening. Yeah. I'm so thankful for a man that will stand up for Christian values. Mm-hmm. I support any man that, that will lose a job that he lost over the Ten Commandments. Right? Two times. Praise Jesus, everybody. So... 
Only a couple numbers in, what song do they play with what instrument? nice yeah i don't uh, like i said i like i like bluegrass so yeah i love banjos i actually own a banjo really i'm yeah i do and i'm gonna learn someday really it's yeah. hard it's hard it's picking yeah you got to use all five fingers I'll fly away, oh, or i'll be the guy <laughs> he sounds like he's going through puberty <laughs> he's a grown man i mean if he were a female he might be a uh, <laughs> a good target for uh, good old Judge Roy Moore over there. He is not 13. It just sounds like a fun time, except for their, um, they are talking about Roy Moore campaigning for, sure. for Roy well, And Moore. also um, butting up against Roy Moore, the Christian faith. The man who stands for Christianity... Does he though? Does he stand for Christian values? I don't think his, so. His predatory, predatory ways, he, allegedly. He stands for a. I mean, he stands for a version of Christianity that sort of prioritizes dominating other lifestyles. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he has argued. He is he has gone on fucking television, not even in a secret, and said that a Muslim should not be in Congress. Yeah, and he's also said that gay people should be criminally prosecuted yes. in the past. I don't know if he would still say that now, but he's he has said that in the past. Recently, that, that homosexuality is a crime. It's, Homosexual acts are a crime. Right. If you're gay within your person, eh, Roy Moore's okay with that. Well, it's just, it's astounding to me that, I mean, it that that version of Christianity really sort of has this hyper focus on different lifestyles and different choices. And it's not, it's not a good version of Christianity. Like, and it doesn't comport with anything that I, like when I was a practicing Christian, everything that I knew about Jesus, which was, a, you know, he was sort of a very accepting figure. People that did have different lifestyles, people that did think about things differently or, or behave differently than his apostles. He brought them in. He, he was a liberal hippie. Yeah, he was a liberal hippie. He didn't isolate them. He didn't say, you know, cast them out, stone them. Right. He, in, he interceded to stop people from doing right. exactly that. The prostitutes of the day. Right. Well, I I used to have uh, someone on my friends list that was a Roy Moore type of Christian, <laughs> and she would always share um, anti-Islam um, posts about how radical the faith was and i'm like you actually have a lot in common yeah with <laughs> these people well um, they're, they're the three abrahamic uh, messianic death cults well, also in terms of the views on homosexuality and i mean roy moore would probably like to be throwing gay people off roofs if he had his way i don't know maybe it's i mean <laughs> allegedly <laughs> <laughs> it's more analogous to like a football team or like a sports team where you're competing against something that is very much like you, but you hate them because they're different. Ah, yeah, that's good. And it almost has nothing to do with the precepts of the religion, which there's, I mean, you cannot read the New Testament and say that Jesus advocated for this approach. It just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't jive. At all. At all. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Well, and it has to be, be partially influenced by the fact that um, I'll tell you what it's what, it, it's what it's influenced by. Yeah, 
Okay, but uh, to Drew's point, and if I knew more about sports, I would make some sort of awesome sports analogy. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they they know Islam is going to win, like based on projections about pure the, research, the growing like, like demographics. Yeah, demographics. They are going to win. So Christianity is getting smaller, and particularly this flavor of Christianity. You mean uh, relative to the war of attrition and population growth? The the, the they're having more babies. It's yes. the same thing that racists say when they say that uh, white genocide, that the white race is dying yeah. because we need to have more babies because Muslims are getting it done. Yeah, well, I think that uh, people talk about how the population of the unaffiliated is growing, and it is growing, but um, I think Pew projects it at a certain point is going to start to decline as well, while Islam just continues to grow, and by like 2050, that that's going to be the, the dominant religion by far right it's it's not far off right now yeah i mean christianity is is you know several hundred million ahead but in a global scale of billions and billions of people it's, it doesn't take much to a generation or two and it's over so and when you hear alt-right people talking about this it's um under the guise of immigration concerns, but really they are talking about hashtag white genocide. That's so right. don't let them get away with that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely not. All right. Uh, we'll get an early start on all of our politics right after this. Support for I Doubt It With Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Sierra. Sierra. Beautiful soul speaks. Beautiful soul speaks. Tom. Tom. Stephanie. Stephanie. Robin. Robin. LG. LG. Brad. Brad. Kitwana. Kitwana. Richard. Richard. Chuck. Chuck. Harold. Harold. Derek. Derek. Abraham. Abraham. Jennifer. Jennifer. Rondia. Rondia. Or should I say it like Brittany did? Rondia? <laughs> I'm sorry. Rondia. Please write in and tell us how to say your name. And then Paul edited his pledge. And I wanted to take a moment to talk about Paul. Goddamn. Um, Paul is... And I'm not going to say his last name to embarrass him, but Paul is heads and shoulders... For us, uncomfortably so, mm-hmm. our most generous patron. I almost yes. want to call him a fucking benefactor. Yes. He gives a ridiculous and unnecessary, <laughs> unnecessary amount to the show. And I just wanted to take a moment to say, Paul, thank you so goddamn much. It we love is, you. Thank you. Um, It really does make me feel both emotional and also... Very uncomfortable <laughs> at, at the same time. Yeah, I like this honesty that's yeah. happening. So I feel the same way. We love you, Paul. Thank you very much. And know that your contribution is going to a good place. Yes. And to me. Yeah, right to Britain. So it's a good time. <laughs> away from Jesse. <laughs> if you too would like to, please, um, we are facing a lot of the onslaught of the goddamn YouTube trolls right now. We really are. And uh, 
If you would like to join and help produce this content and help support the show, dollamore.com slash Patreon. You guys are the best, and we love every single one of you. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Michael Flynn. <laughs> what can you say about Michael Flynn? General Michael Flynn. Goddamn. Let, let me tell you about Michael Flynn. Everybody knows who Michael Flynn is because he was indicted on December 1st, the same day of our beloved friends who were married in San Diego that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's, let's give the audience a little reminder of Michael Flynn's performance at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland this past summer. We, we do not need a reckless president who believes she is above the law. <laughs> Lock her up, that's right. Yes, that's right. Lock her up. I'm going to tell you what. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I use, I use hashtag never Hillary. That's what I use. That's not how that works. <laughs> I have called on Hillary Clinton. I have called on Hillary Clinton to drop out of the race because she, she put our nation's security at extremely high risk with her careless use of a private email server. Lock her up, lock her up. You guys are good. You guys are good. Damn right. You're exactly right. There's nothing wrong with that. Is the, isn't there, though? And you know why? And you know why? You know why we're saying that? We're saying that because if I, a guy who knows this business, if I did a tenth, a tenth of what she did, I would be in jail today. <laughs> oh, it's so thick. The delicious poetic justice. It's like how there's a tweet for everything. Yeah. You know? That Lock speech did not that's age right. well. Yes, that's right. Lock her up. You're right. I think that speech aged very well, though, Drew. Well, yeah, it depends on your perspective. <laughs> Because Michael Flynn, the father of Pizzagate, conspiracy theory promoter, Michael Flynn Jr., I presume, has been indicted and pled guilty to lying to the FBI, which, as far as I understand it, is the least of his worries. The least of the charges that could have come against him and still may come against him. Yes. Which I'm, leads everybody to believe that 
there's a deal in the works and he's cooperating with federal investigators. That's correct. Yes. I mean, lying to the FBI is a crime on its own. Uh, and there are some significant penalties attached to it, but the I think the consensus and the common wisdom is that he's actually going to get sort of a slap on the wrist yeah. for his participation. And they'll look the other way on other crimes that are very prosecutable right. relative to his illegal behavior in communicating with the Russians. Right, and and, and uh, his failure to, I think, I think there was uh, some chatter about his failure to register as a oh yeah during turkey that's uh, right with respect to turkey yeah yeah so he's he's getting away like a bandit also uh not being open about his, the fed the payments to him from rt aka the russian government and the speech he gave in russia right not paying taxes on those because they forwarded them through his speech giving organization what was that thing about him helping kidnap somebody or something yeah yeah an enemy uh, and a, po- a political opponent of aragon in turkey lives in the poconos apparently in pennsylvania and like a jason Bourne movie there was talk <laughs> about him getting a five hundred thousand dollar payment or maybe more to uh, <laughs> uh kidnap him and send him back to turkey to face prosecution Wow. So the bottom line is that Michael Flynn was very vulnerable legally. Very vulnerable. Yeah. And so a, you know, a very vigorous prosecutor like Robert Mueller looking into the stuff could have found a lot of stuff on him and could have probably had tremendous leverage over him. I would I would only lend one correction and not it's not could have did right so he had they did go through the motions to find the evidence and now they're applying the pressure where sure. needed yeah so yeah. i mean we i mean we don't know everything that miller has at his disposal that he could actually prove sure in court, yeah but it's very reasonable to assume based on what we know that he had tremendous leverage over him and could have thrown the book at him and and really created significant problems for probably him and his entire fam- like uh, his I, family i would say it's reasonable to assume one, that what we know went on is enough t- for uh, multiple pro- prosecutions. And I think it's reasonable to assume that what we know is scant compared to what Bob Mueller knows. Yeah, and that is true in general. In, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in probably in all aspects of this, oh, certainly in all aspects of this investigation. Well, relative to me, maybe in all aspects of everything. Like, yeah. you know, space travel, physics, fucking everything. Bob Mueller knows a little bit more about than me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Robert Mueller to release his book, his tell on sex tips. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a pickup artist like uh, Mike Cernovich used to be. <laughs> that man is just a god. And <laughs> Bob Mueller or Cernovich? Bob Mueller. <laughs> Come on now. So the day that the, the indictment and the guilty plea was uh, entered and announced uh, by the media, Adam Schiff, the Los Angeles congressman and ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee who was leading uh, the, uh, the investigation into the Russia collusion, all of the, the bullshit that's going on. There are two committees that are chief among them the Judiciary Committee of both the House and the Senate and also the Intelligence Committees. He is the ranking member of the Intelligence Committee. He was on talking about this, and I think he had some great insights about Flynn and also about Trump lying about Russia. 
I want to go now quickly to Adam Schiff. He's the ranking member on the House Intelligence Committee, which is doing its own investigation of the Trump team's interactions with the Russians during the campaign and Russian interference in the campaign. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us. Good to be with you. First, I want to get your reaction to this remarkable moment of the president's national security advisor entering a federal courthouse here in Washington and pleading guilty to a federal crime. Well, and we can't lose our shock value uh, as easy it is, as it is uh, over the last year. This is the national security advisor of the country, the chief uh, advisor of the president in terms of protecting our country. Uh, and basically, he has admitted that he was a liar uh, when it came to telling federal authorities about his interactions with one of our adversaries, that being Russia. Um, of course, this is part of a broader pattern in which the administration uh, officials, as well as campaign officials, have dissembled or outright lied about their contacts with Russians. But you're right, it's breathtaking. And, and Jim, I think you're also right uh, in listening to that White House statement where they say, well, these are the same lies he told the White House. No, actually, if you read his statement, uh, General Flynn t- today acknowledges he told senior transition officials about this those people all became part of that White House. So uh, it's not going to be that easy for the White House to simply say, eh, nothing to see here. And also to be clear, in the, in the statement of offense, he says not only did he keep them informed, but on at least one of those calls uh, with foreign leaders during the transition, he was directed by someone in the campaign. The, the White House argument in that statement and throughout has been, he was in effect freelancing here, right? He was acting uh, alone. You're doing your own investigation here uh, does that stand up to the facts as you know them? Uh, of course not. But we've seen this pattern uh, when Manafort first got in trouble. Well, he just had a small role in the campaign for a small period of time. Well, he was the campaign manager. Uh, when the Papadopoulos plea it took place uh, a month or two ago, mm-hmm. well, he was just a foreign policy advisor. You know, uh, he's a liar. Well, now it's the national security advisor, one of the president's top advisors, one of the most visible surrogates not someone they can easily write off as a tangential person who simply volunteered his time. So there's no, uh, I think, belittling the significance here. Uh, And that group of senior transition officials that Mueller is referring to in that statement of the offense that go unnamed, that's a very small list of people. Um, and Do you know who those senior tra- – one is described as a senior transition official. One in the statement of offense is described as a very senior transition official. Do you know who those officials are? I don't know. It's a narrow category of people it could be. Who's in that list? Well, uh, certainly Mike Pence is in that list. Uh, Reince Priebus is in that list. Uh, at is one, the president in that list? The president is in that list as well. And um, – it would explain if the president was among those senior officials who were in the know, if not directing these contacts. It would explain why he was so reluctant to fire Flynn, uh, why, in fact, at the time, the president wasn't upset that Flynn had lied, only upset the press had found out. Uh, that, of course, is consistent with a president who knew this all along. Two, two questions about the, the, the core uh, allegations involved here. Uh, shortly after... Flynn was interviewed by the FBI, I believe, on the 24th of January, 2016. Two days later, remember Sally Yates, then the acting attorney general, warned the White House and said he has lied, and that makes him a security risk. And it was a couple weeks later when Trump asks James Comey, then FBI director, to end, in effect, the Flynn investigation. In your view, is that obstruction of justice? Well, it certainly could be uh, if the president is instructing the FBI director, make this go away. Um, that would very well uh, be an act of obstruction. 
you now have this week also Republican senators saying he was trying to effectively shut down the congressional investigations. I asked the Attorney General a question yesterday when we had him before our committee uh, whether the president ever instructed him to take any action that he considered uh, would hinder the Russia investigation, and he declined to answer the question. Uh, all of this uh, ought to be a profound concern to us. So, in the aftermath of all of this, it's a little longer clip than we normally play, but it gives a little context. I like to give the context. Context I go- is very important. Context is important. As Brittany was falling asleep, <laughs> acting as though she was falling asleep during uh, the entire We clip. don't know if that was happening, but we will know when we start live streaming the episodes for Patreon supporters. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't uh, mention that during the, the mid-roll. Yes. That is something we're going to start doing. And I think we have decided on the $10 level. Yeah. And we will start... We'll let you know when we... Plan Next this. week, we're going to start. Not not this week, because I want to get the tech... So- is that okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> is it okay? I guess. <laughs> well, I want to do it this week. Feels like the decision's been made. But also so. the other thing, and then we're going to get back to this, because this is the matter at hand. Drew, do you have something to interject with? Well, I'm just wondering if you guys are going to still like flip each other off in between <laughs> I was flipping her off. <laughs> she was not flipping me off. Uh, that's because I was uh, passed out asleep. <laughs> because she was sleeping, yeah. Drew. And also, when you're here, you're going to have to be on the inside here facing out. Oh, man. I don't know. Because the camera has to be on that looking side. Looking directly into the or camera. Or we could just have it looking at the back of your bald head. I don't adjust to change very well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, that is another unplanned uh, promo for Patreon. That if you up your pledge to $10 next week... At least one show a week is going to be streamed live. Yeah. Where you can view the unedited version as it goes down. Correct. And it'll just be a can't. Anyway, we're fucking moving on. So uh, l- let's talk a little bit about this. Thank you for that, Brittany, for reminding me that I'm a dumbass who forgot that. Uh huh. That's prick shit, bro. That's so shit. I want to go through the timeline of this entire ordeal. On November 8th of last year, Donald Trump was elected president. I almost wanted to, I wanted to say allegedly, but it is not allegedly. He did win the presidency. On the 10th of November, he met with President Obama to talk about all kinds of different matters, including national security. At said meeting, Barack Obama warned Donald Trump to not hire the man who was slated to be the national security advisor, Mike Flynn. Donald Trump clearly ignored that advice. On December 29th, President Obama leveled sanctions against the Russians for their interference in our elections. Mm -hmm. On that same day... Same day. Keep in mind, President Trump has been... He's been elected. He's president-elect. On that same day, he is not president yet, Mike Flynn had a conversation with Ambassador Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. And we know that now, even though there were initial denials because of um, U.S. intelligence intercepts, because we intercept the, 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 the communications of adversarial fucking powers and governments. 
Meaning we were bugging Kislyak. That's right. Not, not, we weren't bugging anybody in the Trump administration or the future Trump administration, the transition team. We were not wiretapping anyone. It was an intercepted communication of the Russians. That's how we knew. On December 30th, keep in mind, one day after this particular conversation, Vladimir Putin says, ah, we're not going to do anything about the sanctions. We're going to wait. Ah, ah, ah. I had to go into the the vampire. Yeah, that's the count from Sesame Street. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> One sanction, two beautiful sanctions. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so on December 30th, and we're getting right back into this, uh, Putin says no retaliation. And Donald Trump tweets, he tweets, uh, great move on delay by V. Putin. Always knew he was very smart. Yeah, fucking weird. Always knew he was V smart or very smart. Very took, smart. Oh, he took the time to write it. He yeah, just, he did. He just cannot help himself. He cannot. Right? Like, he's he's up to something and he's got to brag about it. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah. So on January 12th, two days, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, 13 days later, the Washington Post reveals through reporting, quality reporting, that Flynn did have a conversation with Kislyak, which was initially denied somehow because, remember, the, the leaks in the onset of the transition were fierce. Well, on January 20th, Donald Trump finally became president. He was inaugurated. On January 24th, four days later, Flynn was, in, was uh, questioned by the FBI about his conversation with Kislyak. Now we know that he lied to the FBI. They knew that he lied to them because of those intercepts that Mike Flynn should have fucking known about. He said he didn't talk to him about whatever matters he, they questioned him about. He lied. That's where we know that the guilty plea comes in. On January 26th, two days later, Sally Yates, the acting attorney general of the United States of America went to the White House and talked to Chief White House Counsel Don McGahn and said, hey, listen, this fucking Mike Flynn guy's no good. He's lied to the FBI when they questioned him. And he's vulnerable to blackmail. Four days later, Donald Trump fires Sally Yates. On February 13th, Michael Flynn resigned two weeks later under the auspices of that he uh, he misled. He misled Mike Pence about his conversation. Well, I, I mean, you do have to mention the reason why Trump fired Sally Yates. Which the travel ban. Was, right. It was because she refused to enforce the travel ban, which actually is a reasonable thing to do. I mean, the travel ban is not reasonable, but... Firing a Justice Department official, the acting attorney general who's not enforcing your dictates is a reasonable thing for if, a president. If, well, especially knowing what we know now that the Supreme Court has upheld mm -hmm. the travel ban. However, maybe also it was a godsend yeah. to get rid of her because now, oh, now we have a reason. And then maybe that's cynical of my part, but... It is what it is. I'm yeah. not getting. I, I just don't think it's really. I mean, I don't think that firing is tied to this. I'm just giving a timeline, yeah. Drew. Okay. <laughs> May, maybe I'm being a little bit um, agenda driven in what I'm saying, <laughs> but that is the timeline. Yeah. 
So on February 14th, the very next day, Trump tells Comey privately after kicking everyone out of the Oval Office, hey, man, can you see your say, your, yourself clear of uh, not, not pursuing this Michael Flynn deal? That's been established. On May 9th, Comey gets fired. And then here we are today. If you remember back, the reason I wanted to give the timeline is because if you remember back, all of the denials, oh, this is fake fucking news, fake news, nope, this never happened, there's no collusion, there's no, uh, well, let's just listen to Donald Trump's initial reaction to claims about Michael Flynn. Mike Flynn is a fine person, and I asked for his resignation, he respectfully gave it, he is a man who... Uh, there was a certain amount of information given to Vice President Pence, who's with us today. And I was not happy with the way that information was given. Uh, he didn't have to do that because what he did wasn't wrong, what he did in terms of the information. When I looked at the information, <laughs> I said, I don't think he did anything wrong. If anything, he did something right. He was coming into office. He looked at the information. He said, huh, that's fine. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be. And he, he didn't just call Russia. He called and, and spoke to both ways. Uh, I think there were 30 some odd countries. He's doing the job. You know, he was just doing his job. The thing is, he didn't tell our vice president properly. And then he said he didn't remember. So either way, it wasn't very satisfactory to me. And I have somebody that I think will be outstanding for the position. And that also helps, I think, in the making of my decision. But he didn't tell the Vice President of the United States the facts. And then he didn't remember. And that just wasn't acceptable to me. When I first heard about it, I said, huh, that doesn't sound wrong. My counsel came, uh, Don McGahn, White House counsel. And he <laughs> told me, and I asked him, and he can speak very well for himself. He said he doesn't think anything is wrong. He don't, really didn't think it was really what happened after that. But he didn't think anything was done wrong. I didn't either because I waited a period of time and I started to think about it. I said, well, I don't see. To me, he was doing the job. Uh, the information was provided by who I don't know, Sally Yates. And I was a little surprised because uh, I said, doesn't sound like he did anything wrong there. But he did something wrong with respect to the vice president. And I thought that was not acceptable as far as as far as uh, the actual uh, making the call. In fact, I've watched uh, various programs and I've read various articles where he was just doing his job. That was very normal. You know, first, everybody got excited because they thought he did something wrong. After they thought about it, it turned out he was just doing his job. So. And I, I do. And by the way, with all of that being said, I do think he's a fine man. Was any of that edited or was that just straight through? Um, I think there's two edit points. Okay. 
Yeah, I think I heard him. Um, either way, it was still very convoluted. Well, it's everything that was I... related to Mike Flynn. Well, yeah, and he's calling... But it's calling... not chopped. It's not like the beginning was in the end. No, and... I understand that. Yeah. I, I could hear the edit points, too, but I it was still convoluted and also... Well, it's Trump talk. He keeps calling it the information yeah, and, and yeah. acting like it's not a problem, but calling it the information. It has to be like this secret thing that's not a big deal. It's not a problem. Well, let me, let me ask Drew... Typically, in the course of your duties as the national security advisor, would you presume that you would have to plead guilty to a federal crime just because you're doing your job? You're doing your job. You if FBI comes in and says, hey, in the course of doing your job, what'd you do? You wouldn't lie. You'd say, oh, well, this is what I do because this is my job. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it, it, if he was doing his job, there, yeah. was, there, there's no reason for him to have misled the FBI. Well, and that's I mean, kind of the issue, right? Where sometimes incoming administrations do start these contacts with foreign governments. Initial contact is fine. The problem here is the talk of, of squashing the sanctions. Yeah. It's, because this is different. Because on the 29th, Obama issued the sanctions. The same day, hours later, Mike Flynn's on the phone saying, oh, hey, to Kislyak, call off the dogs. Hang on. We'll be in office soon. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a problem if that's what they were saying, but that's why they're lying because the communications were a problem. And it that's wasn't right. just what a normal incoming administration would be doing. It wasn't just about, hey, listen, what's your phone number? I want to text you as soon as we're in office. Merry Christmas. Well, that way, which is what they said it was about. Just yeah. Merry Christmas. So there, there is a law on the books. It's called the Logan Act. That is right. That forbids private citizens from communicating with foreign entities when the purpose of that communication is to undermine what the United States is doing. It's, it, it's kind of colloquially understood as one government at a time. Yeah. Um. Well, but the Logan Act is actually more general. It's 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 supposed to apply to anybody, and it's not supposed to specifically apply to like incoming administrations. So the one government at a time issue is uh, is more of a a culture and a tradition of well. Of but if, listen, if, if you if you're if you're operating diplomacy counter to the present administration, even if they only have two weeks left. That is a, it's a, it's a in the flies in the fucking face of the letter and the spirit of the Logan Act. I don't think you would disagree with that. Well, I don't. I don't think the Logan Act was designed to stop incoming administrations from like getting their agenda underway. Um, I I do think that there is there has been a strong tradition of incoming presidencies deferring to current presidencies in that lame duck period. Um. I don't think the Logan Act was designed to, to stop or to target that. And I think, you know, there are a lot of there's a lot of dispute about the applicability of the Logan Act in this context within the legal community. A lot of people think that uh, it shouldn't apply to incoming administrations. Some people think it should. Uh, by the letter of the law, it it should. But Well, I think clearly, yeah, even by Mike Flynn's own opinion and the Trump administration, the incoming Trump administration they didn't think they were doing something on the up and up. Otherwise, they wouldn't have fucking lied about it. Well, the other, I mean, maybe, but the other explanation is that they were just worried about all the smoke about Russia colluding, and they were just trying to steer, like, a wide berth away from that and trying to avoid any appearance of evil, so to speak. Hmm. So, or you're trying to divert attention from what was actually going on. Yeah. 
which we eventually, well, yeah. my bets are on. We will find out. Yeah, that's my that's my theory too. Is I think that they're actually sort of circling the wagon, so to speak. They're tr- they were trying to sort of take the heat off of the incoming administration because of what people already suspected. Sure, about their connections with Russia. Yeah, and it's not really about the communications in December about the sanctions. Well, was, which is all the stuff that I was just talking about that we don't know yeah. that Bob Mueller does know. Yeah. So, like, in my view, I think had Flynn just came out and told the truth about it, he probably would have been okay. Like, it would have been like uh, Kellyanne Conway advocating people go buy Ivanka's clothes yeah. on Fox News. Yeah, because the thing you have to understand about the Logan Act, because... It was enacted in 1799, so we're talking like 218 years ago, a right? A problematic John Adams administration. Yeah, so it was enacted in, in 1799, and in the 218 years of its existence, not a single person has ever been convicted of the Logan Act. That is right. So it's not it's not a very powerful criminal statute, uh, you know, in the in all the criminal statutes. Or that are it on could the books. be that people have uh, have towed the line and abided by it. That because there's not been a prosecution doesn't mean that it's a weak law. It just means maybe people were fucking. No, all right, yeah. Well, I'm patriotic. I'm not going to be a fuck. Well, it's weak for other reasons too. I mean, there's a very good argument that it's what you would call unconstitutionally vague. Because well, again, at John Adams, so <laughs> because it, it doesn't really define very well what the specific things you'd have to do to violate the act. I think had Flynn told the truth about what he did, it would have been like, "Oh, that was not cool. Don't do that again." I don't think yeah, I don't think the pros- I don't think a prosecutor would have taken that up. Mm. I don't think that he would have been prosecuted for that. It's the fact that he lied about it that makes it so weird. And it it seems to me like he was he was the guy that was falling on the sword for Mike Pence and for the administration because Mike Pence had made some public statements about it, right? About what he thought had happened in December. He said something to the effect of there was no... I, 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 I'm going to push back on you on that because, I, I listen, I don't think Mike, I don't think that uh, Mike Flynn is some honorable character who's going to fall on a sword for anybody because uh, he was warned, Donald Trump was warned not to fucking hire this guy because he has already been fired because of his fucking loosey-goosey rogue mentality at the Defense Intelligence Agency. By by Barack Obama, and when he's coming in, they say, "Hey, listen, this guy's no good." But he's still a chain of command military guy, right? Like defers. He his... used to be. I he mean, was he was a general while in charge of the Defense Intelligence Agency and was fired. You think you? I mean, I don't think that. I mean, it, it seems to me, especially because of what we know now, that Mike Flynn did not lie of his own accord. He was trying to toe the line of what the administration's narrative was supposed to be. I mean, he was telling the FBI what Donald Trump wanted the FBI to think. Uh, okay, uh, um, maybe so, but I generally don't think he's a good guy. No, I agree because with you. you don't you don't plan intricate operations to extract a private citizen or private legal resident of the United States in some Jason Bourne operation to send them back to a strongman leader of Turkey. You don't do that if you're no, a normal. No, no, no. I'm not, patriotic I'm not arguing that he's a good guy. I'm arguing that he was the scapegoat. Hmm. And he was probably designated as the scapegoat to protect Mike Pence and probably Donald Trump regarding the narrative that they wanted to peddle. Under under the uh, the tacit agreement that we'll take care of you. Yeah, you exactly. fall on the sword. You, you quit. Yeah. 
not knowing there was going to be a fucking the the robber not knowing Donald Trump was going to be a fucking idiot and fire Comey which would spur a special prosecutor. Well, and not only that, I mean, Mike Flynn now knows that Donald Trump is actually not loyal to his subordinates. He's yeah. he's thrown <laughs> all right. of them under the bus right. when it, whenever it suits him. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you don't. I mean, the moment that you don't trust the guy that says he's going to protect you to protect you, you gotta you gotta take care of yourself. Well, that po- that sounds like Drew that you think Mike Pence is implicated here. I think I think Mike Pence is probably vulnerable because I don't think there's any way that Mike Pence didn't know what what uh mike flynn was saying to the fbi mm-hmm. he was the he was the leading the transition team yeah he was the, at the head of the transition team yes like, i don't think there's any way that he didn't and know what was happening i will i see where you were going there that he is a rank and file guy yeah he's not going to step on mike pence's dick no knowing he's in charge he's going to answer to mike pence because that's naturally what he does as a military man once the lie was exposed somebody had to go down and it was either going to be Mike Flynn or Mike Pence or Donald Trump or somebody. It's not going to be the vice president. And the it's president. not going to be Mike yeah. Pence. Right. And so how do we reconcile all of this with Donald Trump's tweet on December 2nd about how he knew that he had to fire uh, Michael Flynn <laughs> because he lied to the FBI. And he, so he had to because he was lying to the FBI. I mean, we because heard his statement there, the information. Um, don't. I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> there is there is a factual dispute about who wrote that tweet. I mean, yeah, his I think, lawyer wrote it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said on my, I Facebook, just want us all to remember. Stitches get stitches. <laughs> Please keep that in mind as we go forward. Yeah. Like I, I mean, <laughs> that's the first thing you learn in law school, right? I'm, I'm borrowing. I'm borrowing this joke from someone on Twitter that says, like, I yeah, I totally like go on my client's account and write a social media post that completely implicates my client yeah. in, a, in, <laughs> in a crime. It's, it's, uh, no, I don't think, I think Donald Trump wrote that tweet. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty obvious to me. And a he lawyer. just made a mistake. It or? seems pretty fucking Trumpy, right? I mean, Trump doesn't think before he acts, right? Like he, he writes this thinking, Oh yeah, this is how I'm going to cover my ass. And then yeah. actually, no, you just admitted to obstruction of justice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he wrote, there's nothing to hide. Well, so. let, yeah, Let's listen. Let's listen to Donald Trump's opinion on this entire Russia investigation in uh, a series of clips. The Russia story is a total fabrication. It's just an excuse for the greatest loss in the history of American politics. Russia is a ruse. There is no collusion. You know why? Because I don't speak to Russians. This Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. The entire thing has been a witch hunt. Look, there has been no obstruction. There has been no collusion. All I can tell you is this. There was no collusion. There was no nothing. Russia has 20% of a uranium. I think that's your Russia story. That's your real Russia story. Not a story where they talk about collusion and there was none. (laughs) (laughs) And there was none. Well, listen. Oh, my God. We just spent a lot of time talking about the timeline. And I want to I'm going to go back to when um, Anderson Cooper talked to Sally Yates, who had access to all of this classified information. And what's great about looking back is knowing or remembering, kind of putting ourselves back in the moment of hearing the clip and what we thought at that moment, coupled with what we know now and all of the information that has come forward. Um, here's Anderson Cooper, who is going to do an intro 
before talking about his interview with Sally Yates. With the information contained in Michael Flynn's plea, a window opens into contact with Russia during the transition, possibly illegal attempts to conduct foreign policy, and then lying about it during his brief tenure as national security advisor. Today's news also sheds new light on something fired acting Attorney General Sally Yates said to me about the trip she made to the White House on the 26th of January to warn that General Flynn had lied about at least one Russian contact, was known to have lied, and was therefore potentially vulnerable to blackmail by the Russians. When were you first made aware that General Flynn was lying about his interactions with the Russian ambassador? Well, first let me say, and I know that this may seem kind of artificial to to folks, I can't really talk about what General Flynn's underlying conduct was because that's based on classified information. Can you say when you were made aware about an issue with his underlying conduct? Mm -hmm. It was in the early part of January where we first got some indication about what he had been involved in. And then sort of the middle part of January when there were false statements that started coming out of the White House based on misrepresentations he had made to people there. She was fired five days after first warning the White House, and Flynn was allowed to stay on another two weeks, even though, as you just heard, the White House knew Flynn was lying about Russia contacts. So remember that. When she says, listen, I know this is going to sound shitty. I'm doing a Jesse D paraphrase. I know this is going to sound shitty, but I can't talk about some of this underlying uh, conduct because it's classified. Now, in our minds, and especially in the minds of Trump supporters and the administration, they screamed fucking fake news. Ah, it's fake news. Unnamed sources. You can't just say it's classified. And now we know, based on his fucking guilty plea and all of the information that's been reported and leaked since, we know what that, uh, the underlying conduct that they're talking about and how that information was received. It was because of intelligence department's intercepts of communications and what was talked about was him setting up, delaying action or retaliation um, based on Obama's sanctions on December 29th. We know that now. So remember, Donald Trump screams fake news, fake news, fake news. 30% of the electorate believes him because they're diehard Trump people. And the rest of us shake our heads and, "Eh, I don't know. Now we know. We should apply the same standard as we go forward. Drew would argue that each piece should be taken individually, probably. But I, we need to use our fucking brains here. Well, yeah. But, I mean, there's still room for nuance, right? There's always (laughs) room for nuance, Drew. I'm just saying that think about all the times Donald Trump screams fake news. Yeah. Has Donald Trump screamed fake news and it turned out to be fake news? There's not been a time I can remember. Nothing's coming immediately to mind. I I do think that there are a couple times where the media has sort of overplayed their hand. Uh, Of course there has, yeah. They're they're not infallible, for sure. Right. But, I mean, you you don't trust Donald Trump when he says fake news. Because he's he's not... He is not a reliable... He is not a reliable arbiter of truth. I think the the, the person who is overplaying his hand is Donald Trump, especially in in the wake of this Michael Flynn thing. Um, Here's a little package about him tweeting now in a 
fit of rage and a freak out. He's spazzing out on Twitter and on uh, in interviews, targeting the FBI, freaking out about the FBI, calling into the question their integrity, calling into question their morale or the efficacy of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which he ultimately is it's under he, the executive. He's in charge of it, yeah. We begin tonight with new developments in the Russia investigation, with President Trump again firing back at critics. The president taking aim at FBI leadership, calling the FBI's reputation, quote, in tatters and the worst in history. Trump specifically attacks former FBI head James Comey. The tough tweets coming directly on the heels of his former national security advisor pleading guilty to lying to the FBI. And now questions about another tweet the president sent, one Trump's personal attorney is taking the blame for. ABC's David Wright is at the White House tonight. Tonight, the White House is racing to explain this tweet from real Donald Trump that appeared to admit for the first time that the president knew his former national security advisor had committed a crime. I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI. Now the president's lawyer insists he drafted that tweet for Trump. Another White House official admits it was sloppy. The issue is significant because former FBI Director James Comey gave sworn testimony that the president urged him to go easy on Flynn. I took it as a direction. I mean, this is the president of the United States with me alone saying, I hope this. I took it as this is what he wants me to do. Comey did not back down and Trump ultimately fired him, too. I think what we're beginning to see is the putting together of a case of obstruction of justice. Today, the president tweeted, I never asked Comey to stop investigating Flynn, just more fake news covering another Comey lie. He also attacked the FBI, tweeting, after years of Comey with the phony and dishonest Clinton investigation and more running the FBI, its reputation is in tatters, worst in history. And Trump also raised questions about a top investigator fired last summer by the special counsel after allegedly sending anti-Trump tweets during the campaign. This president has been obsessed with this investigation, always saying there's nothing there, but each week another shoe drops. Today brought a rare public appearance by another top Trump advisor. You've been in the news in the last uh, few days, to say the least. Son-in-law Jared Kushner. Sources familiar with the investigation say he's the very senior member of the transition team who, according to the Flynn court documents, directed Flynn to reach out to foreign governments during the transition, something Flynn later lied about. The special counsel continues to build his case, now with Michael Flynn's help. If there was coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russians, I can't think of a person who would know more about that than Flynn. David Wright joins us now from the White House and former FBI Director James Comey is firing back tonight. That's right. Comey has really taken to social media in recent days, posting a message to Instagram just a short while ago. He writes, the FBI is honest, the FBI is strong, and the FBI is and always will be independent. That's a quote from his own opening statement to the Senate Select Committee last June. Tom? The back and forth between him and the president still ongoing. All right, David, thank you. All right, David, thank you very much. Had a good time. Time by all. Listen. This is where that's leading, 
Would you agree, Drew? Obstruction of justice. Yes. This I, particular I segment of the Mueller investigation, which of which there are many. Which yeah. is interesting because Drew was a skeptic before that this whole thing was as serious as it was. Correct? Well, he's a lawyer. He's trained to be. <laughs> that it would get to Trump. I w- yeah, I was a skeptic because, uh, you know, I, I have to see the evidence first. Are you still skeptic? I, well, here's here's the only reason why I'm skeptical. Is, still! Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that Donald Trump... Remember, before you speak... Snitches get stitches. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this point that Donald Trump was personally involved in what you would describe as obstruction of justice... If almost anybody else did it, he seems like a micromanaging freak show. Yeah, the the one snag here is the general immunity mm. that presidents enjoy. I'm glad you brought that up, Drew. You know who disagrees with you on that? Attorney General of the United States of America, Jeff Sessions. Well, here he is in 1999 <laughs> about this very matter. I am concerned about uh, a president under oath uh, being alleged to have committed perjury. I hope that he can rebut that and prove that did not happen. I hope he can show he did not commit obstruction of justice and that he can complete his term. But there are serious allegations that that occurred. And in America, and Supreme Court and the American people believe no one is above the law. Uh, the president has uh, gotten himself into this fix that is very serious. Uh, I intend to give him an absolutely fair trial. He was hoping that Bill Clinton could prove that he did not commit obstruction of justice, which would indicate that a president can indeed commit obstruction of justice. All right. You want the thorough, nuanced answer? Yeah, of course I do. Okay. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be a dick. Snitches get stitches. That means nothing. It has nothing to do with what we're saying, but it's the only funny clip I could grab. So. All right. <laughs> so this is an unsettled question of law. Sure. And there are various differing opinions among very prominent legal scholars on this topic. Do not say Alan Dershowitz because something's going on with that guy. Well, he's he's, he's out of his fucking mind going on Fox News now. I yeah, I think he's off his rocker, but he is still a respectable legal scholar and his his perspective has to be taken into account. All right. I'm sorry. I mean, he's done he's he's earned it. The other, I mean, but there are others. Uh John Yu. I think there there has to be something else motivating Alan Dershowitz because he is not that guy. There's something else going on with that guy. The, for the audience's advocation, Alan Dershowitz is a he is an historic figure, legal giant, uh, Harvard professor, OJ defender, defense attorney guy, and a constitutional scholar. Yes. And he has been contending for about five months now uh, in every aspect that he can vociferously defending Donald Trump well, and the powers that Donald Trump has as president, which is uh, he he believes that he believes and I believe I believe him that he sincerely believes this hmm. that that's the, where we diverge. Yeah, I believe that he sincerely believes that the executive, uh, the president has unreviewable authority to direct all criminal 
investigations. Hmm. I, I believe even that, surrounding himself. Yes, I believe that he sincerely believes that. I don't think it's it's not a great view. It's it's not it's 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 not a good view of what the president should be allowed to do, in my opinion. And I think most legal scholars would probably agree with me. The the other, I mean, but that's one problem. Okay, is can is that technically obstruction of justice? The other problem is even if it is obstruction of justice, can you criminally prosecute a president for doing it? And that's also a question that is not fully settled by law. Right, because up to this point, for the most part, we've had honorable men serve as president of the United yeah. States. Well, and also, I mean, we've just generally accepted that presidents enjoy broad immunity from lawsuits and from criminal prosecutions wow. just because we don't want, you know, smaller entities founding yes. the president. I would also say that up until the, this this election, because we've never really faced a problem like Donald Trump, I was... Uh, taken aback by the amount of leeway given him relative to or a president uh, relative to um ethics right ethics laws apply to everybody else but not the president of the united states there's that seems to me something that needs to fucking change well there i mean there is some good historical reason for that just because you want to give i mean you want to give like the the person with whom the buck stops broad latitude to actually do things without having to worry about you know someone trying to snipe him for for ethics and that's also sort of one of the reasons i think the rationale be behind why the impeachment process is actually not really a legal process it's more political pol political yeah, process sure you know it's it's do we want this guy as president anymore that's the question so let's get back into the nuance of yeah. obstruction of justice and the chief executive so that's, I mean, that's basically it. Is it obstruction of justice if the chief executive does it? And two, even if it is, can he be prosecuted for it? Neither of which are obvious questions. What I think is obvious is that we could impeach him for this. But that's going to require political will. And I don't think we have it yet. Maybe we'll have it in so 2018. Why if there aren't answers, obvious answers to those questions, why is it obvious that he could be impeached for those things? Because the impeachment process is not reviewable by the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. That's something that's entirely within the purview of Congress. So if Congress decided that they wanted to do it, they could do it. Hmm. And they could do it for anything. So when, yeah. when Donald Trump is launching this defense or his people saying, well, the president cannot obstruct justice, when they're saying that, that is something that is debatable? That's debatable when you're talking about like a criminal prosecution standard. Hmm. But the articles that were drafted for Nixon did include obstruction of justice. He was an unindicted co-conspirator. Unindicted. Right. So he, th that's where the, 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 they started splitting fine, fine hairs there relative to Nixon and the yeah. presidency. Yeah. So, I mean, what the, I don't know if Miller is going to have any direct say in what happens to trump is sort of the point i'm getting at he'll 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 um he'll write his recommendation yeah send his recommends to the congress to the house of representatives and yeah. then they'll fucking yeah and hopefully they'll take care likely of they'll take care of business right I, well, I i i do still you know i'm the positive guy <laughs> i think they'll they'll do with it as they should well they will if trump's approval rating gets low enough because i'm sure there are plenty of republicans that are champing at the bit to get this guy oh out there yeah just because he is such a liability he's also disloyal as fuck and that's not something 
Political disloyalty, is especially amongst your own party, doesn't go well. And what does that mean for Mike Pence, then, if he's also implicated here? Ah, well, Mike Pence very would good have, question. Mike Pence would have to be impeached, impeached too. Mm. Yeah, Mike Pence was so then probably... Paul Ryan is president. Yeah, Paul, yeah, that's right. Paul Ryan. I would, listen, I'd much rather have a Paul Ryan than either one of those dildos. So maybe that's why Paul Ryan has been so cool with all this, because he knows that he's <laughs> going to be president. <laughs> Next soon. up, son! Yeah. This, this is his grand plan. <laughs> Yeah, he got he got he sort of had a premonition that some crazy populist psychopath was going to be elected president. He's like, all right, I'll accept the House of Speaker job. Why not? (laughs) So um, I think we're going to end it there. This has been a very full bodied discussion. Um, Brittany, do you have a taking care of biz or an asshole of today? Yes, I do. Which is it? You have to play. Oh, um, is it a taking care of biz or is it an asshole of today? Right, right. It's going to be an asshole of today. It's the asshole of today. Before I announce, something that you'll see when we live stream is all of us dancing to the little tune. We do dance to the tunes. Um, <laughs> and Jesse was dancing with his middle, middle fingers finger up, erect. son. <laughs> Uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Graham. Yeah, who, you know... I'm conflicted about this one. When he was running, I don't know, there's just something that's likable about him, and I don't know why, and then he does this kind of shit that we're getting ready to discuss, yeah. and it, it just reminds me of why do I feel that way. Like, Let, let's set, set the stage for what made him the asshole of today. He's got good moments. Yeah. He for sure has good moments. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So he was on a news program. (laughs) A nebulous news program. (laughs) And he was discussing the media and their portrayal of Trump. Kind of chastising them. Yes. And... He called the the media's characterization of Donald Trump. They they characterize him as a kook. He said, yeah, and yeah, he doesn't yeah. really appreciate it. And the, he's a kook and not fit for office. Yeah, and the only problem with that is is that Lindsey Graham has actually said that exact thing. Exact same thing. The fact that he's going back there right now, in the midst of everything you and I have discussed, does that concern you at this point? You know, what concerns me about the American press is this endless, endless a- attempt to label the guy as some kind of kook, uh, not fit to be president. I'm not going to try to get into the mind of Donald Trump because I don't think there's a whole lot of space there. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. You know, what concerns me about the American press is this endless, endless a- attempt to label the guy as some kind of kook, uh, not fit to be president. I think he's a kook. I think he's unfit for office. <laughs> that was like a year ago, okay? That's, yeah. That's not like 20 years ago. That was a year ago. Yeah, right. Hey, he's getting up there in age. <laughs> well, no, he's not. Not that far up in, in age. That's what's shocking to me is how can he go from feeling like Donald Trump is a kook and he's unfit for office to then a year later, he's attacking the media and for also, making him out to be a kook. And using his same favorite little pet words to describe it. It's not like he says, yeah, the media thinks he's a nut job, blah, blah, blah. And then a year earlier, having said kook, he uses the exact same words. Well, it, I mean, he certainly, I mean, 
if his point was that he just thinks the media is being too obsessive about Trump's personality, he certainly did not choose wording properly, did not express himself well. <laughs> Again, Drew, with the goddamn nuance... I'm getting tired of having you on and you being so reasonable, Drew. I do want to say, because Drew is being an ageist, that um, Lindsey Graham is 62. Yeah, 62, guy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to finish the show yet because I have uh, a taking care of biz. Oh, okay. Because I've been holding on to this and I want to fucking talk about it. And I don't know if it's going to have legs enough. I mean, I didn't approve of this and it is my segment, but I guess that we can make an allowance for it. Okay, after the music plays... When I cue you in, I want you to say Andy Levy on Essie Cup's show. But I haven't approved that. Oh, I think it's okay. <laughs> Taking care of biz. Andy Levy <laughs> on Essie Cup's show. And what did Andy Levy do, Brittany Page? I think, if I remember this correctly, it was like a week or two ago. <laughs> like I said, it doesn't really have legs. Uh, <laughs> he criticized uh, Fox News for being the Trump News Network. And it's... it's That is exactly, exactly right. And it's good because Andy Levy used to work on Fox News. That's right. On Red Eye. And so this is a former Fox News employee. I don't think he works there anymore. He does not, He's a, a senior producer on SE Cup Show on HLN. Okay, now. yeah, criticizing Fox News. I think it is amazing that President Trump thinks that stating outright that Fox News carries his water is a good look for either right. of them. Like he should pretend at least that like Fox News can be in the running. Sure, they're all they're all equal to me. Shouldn't he want at least the perception that his relationship with Fox News is organic and natural and just because they see eye to eye on so many things and not bought and paid for? Forget what he thinks. The people who should be the most embarrassed by this are the ones at Fox News. And I suspect a solid handful of them are. The press is not- Like on one hand. Yes. The press is not supposed to be on the side of people in power ever. The press is supposed to be adversarial. The press is supposed to question. The press is not supposed to curry favor with authority. A lot of people in the media kind of forgot that during the Obama administration. Yes, they did. Uh, and that was pathetic. And it's and now pathetic other people now for, yes. for the media people who are, who are kissing Trump's butt. The president should never like a media outlet in the sense that he knows right. he's always going to get favorable coverage for it. A president should respect that media outlets are doing their job or at least respect that they have an important job to do. He should never view a media outlet as being on his side. And the whole thing is said, and Fox News should disavow it, but it kind of can't because with a couple of exceptions, they have backed themselves into this corner and they're now the, they're the Trump News Network. Totally. And that's, and that's their lifeblood. Yeah, so... The Trump News Network. Yeah, in fact, I had... Oh, hang on. TNN, the Trump News Network, Fox News. I had a friend message me the other day, and they were watching... You have um, friends? <laughs> Why did I laugh at that? Further, um, further, you have friends that message you? <laughs> my friend messaged me, and he was watching Fox News, and he said, Fox News is being oddly impartial about this tax bill. Oh, let me guess. And I said, who's, who's on the TV? Right. And he sent me a picture of Shep. Shep and it Smith, was Shep. Yeah. yeah. So when Andy Levy's talking about the handful of people who 
are not happy that it is the Trump News Network. I'm sure there is a handful of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that some, there are, are some, embarrassed. There are some decent, reputable, honorable people who work at Fox News. Yeah, Shep and- Smith being one. Chris Wallace being another, and there are a handful of field reporters too. Yeah, well, and I'm sure there's there's many journalists that work on the set of uh, Shep, Shepard Smith's show. Um, are they journalists? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And they, I'm sure they are good. He probably picks them to work on his show. Yeah, I'm sure he gets some kind of final approval, sure. Yeah, so I'm sure that there's there's people that are not happy about it, but then you have like the Saturday morning Fox and Friends or even the Fox ding and dongs, Friends during yeah, the week. Regular ding Just dongs. any kind of Fox and Friends variation and it's not <laughs> good. <laughs> They're not a friend to me, Brittany Page. Mm. All right. Fair and Kofefe. Fair and Kofefe. <laughs> With that, Drew, we're going to leave everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you uh, all the time. We have the best listening audience in podcast land, if that is a land. We have foregone um, voicemails and emails for the past couple episodes, but we do have some in the hopper. If you have something to add, we'd love to hear your thoughts. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voicemail from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Listen, it is still the holiday season. Dollamore.com slash Amazon is still the link of choice to route you through, to have you buy all kinds of bullshit to your heart's content. All of your materialistic desires can be met there for the holiday season. Christmas and Kwanahana, what do you say, Brittany? Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Every little bit goes a long way. And if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not help support your favorite show filled with news? News. And ridiculous comment. Again, we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, Drew Levine. Hello. I <laughs> am Jesse Dollimore. The routine. And this has been. I doubt it. So amazing. Just some glad morning when his life is over. I-